It's muted. There we go. All right. That's easier, isn't it, church family? If you have your Bibles, open to Matthew 9. We're going to be looking the last three verses of the chapter together. As you're finding your way there, I want to take the opportunity to say thank you once again, Pastor Sean, for the invitation. Come be here with you this morning. I always enjoy every opportunity to come and be with the good folks of Hebron Baptist Church. It's fun for me occasionally to come and see familiar faces here again, some of the trainings and opportunities we have been together. There are a couple of faces I miss seeing this morning, but I'm excited to know that since I was last with you, some of those folks have been sent out answering God's call upon their life. That is exciting to have opportunities to say those gospel goodbyes. Well, Every time to be with you is a good time, but I'm especially excited to be here on what is going to be an amazing day as this afternoon many of you are going to come back, rain or shine, as we heard just a few moments ago, and some of you are going to be in a position of prayer, others are going to partner off, and you're going to go out of these walls, and you're going to join the Lord in trying to get the gospel to every home. Some of you are so excited about the opportunity to join God in this way, you, you can't wait. I mean, if we were to say, let's do it now, that would be just fine with you. We could go out right this moment. Others are committed. Uh, you've made a decision that you're going to take a step of obedience, but transparently, this is pretty out of your comfort zone, and you're not really sure exactly how you feel about that. Could I say that's equally awesome too. Praise God that you're willing to take that step. And some of you are, are still maybe not really convinced or, or don't understand the need for an initiative like the gospel to every home. And so maybe you've been wondering, not in a negative way, just honestly questioning, you know, why should we as a church family, why should I as a church member get involved and, and want to participate in this initiative that they are calling the gospel to every home? That's a great question. And I hope that as we spend some time together in God's word this morning, that regardless of what your level of participation may or may not end up being, that we'll at least be able to go away today and recognize that at its heart, the gospel to every home, it's not about a program that came out of the convention office. It's not about any kind of packaging, although we tried to package it in very nice ways. But rather, our hope, our heart, is that it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about an opportunity for us to join the Lord in what He is doing. And we have an amazing snapshot of what that might could look like right here at the end of Matthew chapter Nine. By now you have found your place in God's word. I invite you to follow along. Beginning at verse 35, familiar text for us. The Bible begins by saying, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers into his harvest field. May God add a blessing to the reading, now the preaching of his word. Why should we as Kentucky Baptists 
come together, cooperate in the way that we're trying to do in order to get the gospel to every home. Well, three thoughts that we see in our text I just want to remind us of this morning and then share a few stories with you. First of all, we feel compelled to get the gospel to every home because every neighbor and every neighborhood in Kentucky needs to hear about the hope of Jesus. Every neighbor and neighborhood in Kentucky needs to hear about the hope of Jesus. Do you agree with that? Let, let me show you to you in our text. Verse 35, the Bible begins by saying, Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Some translations, you might have one in front of you, tells us he continued going about, trying to capture the verb tense and show us this was the pattern of Jesus' ministry. Now I'm pausing at the very first phrase. Because I think it would be easy, it might be tempting for us to read that phrase quickly. Now, if you were at home in your own Bible reading, you'd read it, of course. But we might skim over it in our desire to get to what we sometimes think is the heart, maybe the meat of this particular text. But, but I want you to notice there's an important lesson. There's an example for us to follow here, isn't there? Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Bible tells us Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Isn't that exactly what we find Jesus doing right here in these verses? Jesus was doing everything that was possible to make sure that every person living throughout that entire area was having an opportunity to hear and respond firsthand to this glorious gospel message. There's a comprehensiveness to what we find, cities and villages, and I think probably everywhere in between. And we know that is exactly what the Lord has called, commissioned, commanded His church to be doing today. But I wonder, how faithfully are we following his example? You know, the sad reality is we don't have to go far in any one particular direction to find lostness and lost people hurting. But are we really looking for them? One of your sister churches, when they began to mobilize for their gospel to every home efforts like you're going to begin doing this afternoon over in the Ashland area they went out that day and they found a sweet little lady who lived not even not even a half mile from their church where it has been located historically and she shared with them she said you know I've never had anyone come to me and personally invite me to church before think about that it blew their mind West Kentucky one of our fellow pastors, Brad Walker, pastors Bryansburg Baptist Church, uh, he shared with us, Pastor Sean, that one of the challenges that his people were having to overcome is a lot of their people had this misconception, maybe not said out loud, but believed in their hearts that surely everybody living in Marshall County, Kentucky had already heard about the Lord Jesus and probably already had some kind of a relationship with a local church body, but they wanted to be supportive and cooperative, and so they began to go out. And, and what they learned is the closer they got to the lake, you see they're located over near the land between the lakes, the closer they got to the lake, the more they found out these neighbors had moved in mostly from other areas of the country, places outside of Kentucky. And, and they had among them almost no religious background whatsoever. They moved in from other areas. How much more would that be true for somewhere like Hebron, Kentucky? Pastor Brad said it was an eye-opening experience for our people to go out and begin having conversations with their own neighbors they didn't yet know. 
And to begin to ask them just common questions to us in Kentucky. You know, do you have any kind of religious faith? Do you have a spiritual background? And to have neighbors respond to them, not rudely at all, but just matter-of-factly to say, well, no. And why are you asking? Listen, church family, I think that's an important discovery for us this morning. Many, I, I might suggest probably most of your neighbors that are staying away from church, it's not because your church has done something that turned them off. It's, it's not because they've been offended by the gospel. It's not because they have a negative view of Jesus. Could I suggest to you that for the average Kentuckian, it's just not even on their mind. Church isn't something that the average person is even thinking about these days. Biblically, let me remind you, the lost don't know they're lost. Amen? They know they need something, but they have no idea that it's the Lord, that it's a relationship with God through faith in His Son, Jesus. They don't understand that they need the Lord. And so that's why the Bible tells us that in order for Jesus to save the lost, he had to first come seeking the lost. Aren't you glad that he still seeks out lost people wherever they are? If we're going to join him in what he's doing, if we want to see lives changed and our, our community impacted, we as the church have to be willing to join him in this exciting adventure of seeking out lost feel compelled to get the gospel to every home because our neighbors are hurting. They're hopeless. They're hell-bound without Jesus. Verse 36, such an amazing verse to me, no matter how many times I read it. The Bible tells us that when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. He was moved with compassion. Why? Because the text tells us he looked at them and he could see the weariness that they were experiencing. The weariness that comes from the brokenness that we see in our world all around us. The brokenness in our hearts and in our homes. And, and the, the translation I read, the ESV, it says that he saw they were harassed and helpless. Doesn't that capture what so many people are probably feeling today? It's just like life is crashing in on all sides and things we never saw coming and, and no matter what we try to do, we just can't seem to get ahead of it. We, we try to make a positive change, but you just can't seem to make it stick. Everybody's wanting to provide a, a better tomorrow for their family, but my goodness, hope is so hard to find these days. A recent survey found that this is the first generation of Americans. Think about this. Our kids... It's the first generation of Americans who do not believe their future will be brighter than that of their parents. Think about that. Hope is, is hard to find. People are hurting and they need to hear about the hope that we find in Jesus. Maybe you feel that same weight this morning. You should know how to put it into words. But you recognize, man, there's something missing in my life, someone or something, and, and you've been trying to turn things around, and you just feel like, man, nobody can even understand what it is that I'm experiencing. Nobody knows the weight that, that I'm carrying. I would remind you this morning that, that the Lord Jesus knows. He, he has a compassion for you, a love that is greater, deeper than you can even imagine this morning. And the amazing thing about the compassion of our Christ is that it's not just an emotional sinalism, 
No, it moved him into action. The fact that we have this text tells us that when he looked upon our sin, it moved him to the place that he was willing to leave the glories of heaven behind, that, that he would come and, and he would take on human form and, and live a life without, without any sin. But it carried him ultimately to a cross where Jesus took upon himself all that weight that you feel today. He took upon himself our sin and our failures. He suffered, he died, he was buried. Three days later, gloriously, he rose again so that right now, here this morning, whether you're sitting in this room or whether you're watching this in your living room at home, he's provided everything that's needed so that if you would just turn from your sin and turn in faith in Jesus, you could be saved today. You can find a life abundant, life overflowing, life eternal. He's, he's already provided all that's necessary for that to happen right here today. In fact, we're going to give you an opportunity here in just a few moments that you can turn and put your trust in Jesus. We want to help you know what that looks like. But the amazing thing, church family, is that God is wanting to extend that same invitation of life through you. He wants to speak through us. He wants to, to extend an invitation of, of eternal life to your neighbor, and he's willing to do it through you if you're willing to join with him. But I'm convinced that as God's people, we're never going to get really serious about our community. We're never really going to be moved to action until we are first moved with compassion until we began to see lost people the way that God sees them. I wonder, when we look out in our neighborhoods, do we see our neighbors the way that the Lord sees them in this text? Do we see the brokenness that's in their lives? Do we see that they're harassed and helpless and living a day-to-day -day life in this picture as though a sheep with no shepherd? When we go to the restaurant today and you look up into the eyes of your server, is that what we see? I wonder, is that what we see as we look at the life of that family member that just drives everybody crazy because it seems like they have no idea what they're doing or where they're going in life? Is that what we see when we wave to our neighbor? If I was to be honest, I'm afraid that the average church member isn't really seeing them at all. In fact, I've, I've become convinced that for the average Kentucky Baptist church member, the homes that are closest to our churches and maybe our own neighborhoods have become nothing more than white noise to us. Just sort of a blur that we see out of our periphery vision as we drive to and from the church week after week, Sunday after Sunday. It's there, but we're not really seeing it anymore. And one of my hopes and prayers for the gospel to every home is that as churches begin to get out and prayer walk over our neighborhoods, as we begin to prayer walk over our schools, as we begin to prayer walk over the businesses in our community, that as we slow down for a minute, and more importantly, as we slow down in prayer, that God might give us spiritual eyes again, that, that God might begin to help us see our neighbor and our neighbor hoods again and begin to have our hearts broken over what breaks his the lostness that exists right here in our own communities 
Here's what I find every time I have an opportunity to get out in one of our Kentucky neighborhoods. We find there are people that are hurting and they need to hear about the hope of Jesus. Found a lady in Lexington, went out with one of our church plants that you're helping to sponsor this church planner through your church's cooperative program giving and they were mobilizing for gospel to every home. We, we came up on a lady and she wasn't rude by any means, but, but you could tell right away that we caught her at a bad time. She, she was trying to get out of the conversation basically from the moment that we started it, and that was obvious. And so after a minute or two, I said, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I, I can see we've caught you at a, at a bad time here today. And, man, that surely wasn't our intent. We're just out in the neighborhood because this church loves Jesus. They love their community. And we were hoping we could come and just be an encouragement to you here today. And so we'd love to leave some resources with you, encourage you to look at those. But... Before we go, is there anything I could just pray about for you today? As soon as I said the word, she just, she just melted in tears. I wish I could, I did this because I wish I could, could show you what, her body just sort of crumpled in that moment. She stepped outside the door up until that moment. It had been one of those conversations. She was halfway in and halfway out the door the whole time. And she held up her phone, and in that moment, she shared with us that, that she had spent all morning, she'd gotten a call that day from her doctor and they had confirmed that the results seemed probably to be cancerous and they are going to have to do pretty significant brain surgery on Monday now think about it. this is a Saturday morning they're going to do surgery on Monday she said I've spent all morning long just trying to call and work out all the details she confessed the only reason I opened the door I didn't even look out I just opened the door because I assumed you were my co-worker that was coming to pick up some files that she's going to need for next week she was very transparent with us, said she hadn't been to church for many years. She honestly didn't know where she was with the Lord or what she even thought about him, but she had cried out to God that morning. You can imagine, you, you would too, right? And she looked at me in that moment and she said, she said, do you, do you think maybe God sent you to me? We affirmed, obviously, there was no way we could have known anything about her circumstances. I said, I don't even live here. I'm just here to help. But, but your Heavenly Father absolutely knows what's going on in your life. And, and yeah, you know what? I do think that He sent us as just a small expression of His love for you. Suddenly, she was wide open to hear about the gospel. You see, when she thought we were there just because we wanted something from her. She was just looking for a way out of that conversation. But when she saw that we were there out of genuine love and concern for her, and maybe because God loved her, she, she wanted to hear more about Jesus. We shared with her, and no, she didn't make a decision that particular day, but the church was very faithful. They followed up and brought some food and even mowed the grass a time or two, and you wouldn't be surprised to hear that she began coming to church and bringing neighbors with her, would you? Listen, listen there's no way for us to know how God might use you this afternoon if you're simply obedient to go with Him. And we'll never know which doors are truly open to the gospel until we start knocking on them, both figuratively, but yes, literally as well. There are people that need to hear about the hope of Jesus. And if they see that we are being moved by the compassion of Christ, that we're there because we love them, not because we want something from them, but we desperately want God's best for them, it begins to open doors for the gospel, doesn't it? 
And we see that same dynamic in Jesus' own ministry right here. Yes, Jesus, we, we read, was going town to town, village to village, and he's teaching in the synagogues. And it says he's preaching the gospel based on other texts. I think Jesus was willing to do that anywhere and everywhere he had an opportunity. Amen. So what else could he do? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our neighbors need to hear a verbal witness. Your family members need you to be faithful, to keep sowing gospel seed and to, to find ways to have gospel conversations with them. But notice what else Jesus is doing in verse 35. It says he also was healing every sickness and every disease that was among the people. Now, I know in our contemporary mindset, it'd be real easy right there just to almost dismiss that, wouldn't it? It'd be easy to say, well, Brother Rob, of course Jesus could do that. I mean, he's the only begotten Son of God. He can do miracles we're not able to perform. But let's don't dismiss it too quickly. If, if we really boil it down, what's Jesus actually doing in this verse? He's simply meeting the real needs of real people. What people? The ones that were right in front of him. Now, that's something you and I can do, isn't it? We may not be able to meet all the needs, but we can do for the one what we wish we could do for the many. And one of the things that I'm loving watching our Kentucky Baptist churches is how our churches and church members have found ways in the middle of the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic to be present in their community, to respond to the needs of their neighbors and, and people that God has put around them. I think a beautiful example of this is one of your sister churches down in Falmouth, Kentucky. Uh, if you're not familiar with Falmouth, it's a beautiful little place. Uh, but like a lot of rural Kentucky these days, the economy's tough. There's there are not many jobs to find, wonderful folks. But, man, the, the opioid crisis is rampant over there. It's, it's just it's a hard place. People are hurting. Trinity Southern Baptist Church, one of your sister churches, had been struggling for years. They'd gotten down to maybe 20 or so folks. They called a young pastor not terribly long before the pandemic hit, and suddenly they are experiencing over there what is nothing less than, than, than revival. And you say, well, what's, what are they doing? Well, well, one of the things they're doing is they have found ways that their gospel to every home mobilizations are almost always a community serve day. And so during the middle of the pandemic, this small church, no more than 20 folks, figured out how to put together some feeding programs and opportunities. Each time, they clearly presented the gospel and shared gospel resources. They've done several community cleanup projects. They have all kinds of things that they're doing. Every time, they've organized it very clearly to communicate the gospel, not just giving a drink, but giving it in the name of Jesus and proclaiming the, the good news and distributing the gospel to every home resources. No, my goodness, no wonder they've baptized nearly 50 people and this church that was running barely 20 pre-COVID on Easter more than 200 people celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that's the most people they've had in the history of that 200 year old church God's doing something there of course we've written some KY Today articles Brother Sean on what God's doing over there but what's really exciting to me is the, the local newspaper has started writing stories about what's happening because they recognize something extraordinary is going on. It's happening in the name of Jesus, and it's happening in this little local church right down the street. Isn't that exciting? That's what can happen when a church says, listen, we're no longer content to just be a church in our community. Listen, it's no longer enough to have the name of our community as our church. We're going to be 
God's church for the community, whatever that means, whatever it takes, if we grab that attitude, my goodness, God can begin to move in amazing ways. I pray that can happen even right here. We've got to find a way to get the gospel to every home. Lastly, my third thought is there's a huge harvest. There's a huge harvest that's ready, that's waiting, if we will. Verses 37, 38 after this day of amazing ministry, we've just looked at a snapshot, but a day of amazing ministry, Jesus looks at his disciples, very familiar statement. You, you could have quoted this from memory. You might not have known exactly where it was in Scripture, but as soon as I began to read it, most of you were able to fill in the rest of the statement. Jesus reminds us the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore. Here he says, pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. Oh, there's no question the harvest is plenteous. We know it because the Lord Jesus Christ tells us so. I understand that. But we, we also know it just by looking around. The best statistics we have available tell us that pre-COVID, so before the pandemic ever came, that approximately 80% of Kentuckians were unchurched. And what that number means is, is that on any given Sunday pre-COVID, there were more than 3.6 million of our friends, relatives, associates, neighbors who would not have been found attending any kind of church anywhere. Now, we would not dare presume this morning to stand and say that all those people are lost. That, well, that's not for us to know, but minimally we know they're not where the Lord would want them to be in the relationship to his church. And when we begin to think about how many more have fallen away in the middle of COVID? My goodness. You need a reason to do gospel at every home. It's just to get our own folks back, right? To help them find their way back into involvement in the church body to experience the fullness that Christ has. But when we think about the, the fact that the harvest is so plenteous and, and, and the power of the gospel to change a life is, is so compelling and, and the power of the gospel to change a church, revive a church, transform a community, it's so compelling. It's hard to understand, isn't it? Why the laborers are always so few. Yet this verse reminds us, in some ways, this has almost always been our reality. So what do we do with that? How do we respond to these verses? Well, what does the Lord Jesus command us to be doing? We're to be praying, right? That's what you're going to be doing this afternoon. We need to be praying. And specifically, Jesus gives us something to pray for, that the Lord of the harvest would call out more of us, that the Lord of the harvest would send out more laborers into his harvest field. One of the things I've been praying for months now is that this initiative we're calling the Gospel to Every Home might be just a simple tool that the Lord could use to bring about a historic mobilization of Kentucky Baptists. What would that look like right here in Hebron Baptist Church? I can envision more of you going out, more of you stepping out of your comfort zone, more of you taking a risk, more of you just trying to find a way to have a gospel conversation with the neighbor than ever before in the history of our church. What could God do if that happens? Will you join us? In I have a reminder set on my phone. It goes off every single night, same time, 9.38. It's meant to remind me to pray, Matthew chapter 9, verse 38. I might encourage you even here this morning to do something similar. Uh, you could do it in the morning, do it at night, do it at both. It's just a way to remind us to be faithful, to pray for this thing. You know, here's the reality. 
more than enough church members sitting in our pews to get it done. But thanks to the cooperative program giving, a church is just like yours. We've already provided enough resources to take the gospel to all of the 1,728 homes we know about in the state of Kentucky. So now it's just up to us. Will we be obedient? Will we be faithful to go? So what about you? All excuses aside, what would keep you from coming out this afternoon to pray? What would keep you from coming out this afternoon and just to pair up with another church member or family member, go out here and meet your neighbors, offer to pray for them, provide some gospel resources to them, praying maybe God would open a door to have a conversation about Jesus. What is it that's really keeping you from inviting a neighbor or a co-worker over for dinner or out for coffee? So you just have a, a conversation about who Jesus is to you and why you hope that they might know him the same. What is it that's really holding us back? The very first church that I'm aware of that went out as a part of their, their local association's Gospel Every Home plan and initiatives was First Baptist Mount Vernon, part of the Rock Castle Association. They went out and they found a guy, his name's Wayne, found him sitting under a shade tree in his backyard and went up and started a, a conversation with him. Wayne surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus that day. Faithful pastor Dennis Wilder came out a couple weeks later to follow up, wanted to talk to Wayne about baptism and first steps of discipleship and obedience, what that would look like for him. And as they came into the home, Wayne's wife was there that day. And so Wayne kind of interrupted the pastor and he said, wait a minute, pastor. He said, you need to tell her the same thing you told me. He looks over at his wife and he says, sweetie, you listen carefully to this man. He's going to tell you how to get saved the same way I got saved. You know what? She did. <laughs> and they both got baptized, beautiful couple in their 60s. Last time I talked to, to Pastor Dennis, he told me they're still there most Sundays, faithfully attending. We shared their testimony in a video at the Reach Evangelism and Missions Conference. And in that little brief video, Wayne's wife makes this statement. She says, I'm so glad they came to our home. We didn't know it, but we needed to hear what they had to say about Jesus. And then she made this statement. She says, I can't help but believe there are other homes where other people need to hear the same thing too. You know what? She's right. She's right. Some of those homes are right here in Hebron, Kentucky. That's why we have to find a way to get the gospel to every home. I'm so excited that, that you have already prayed about, you've committed to be a part of the gospel to every home. Here's what we're going to do as we bring our, our message and our time to a close. The, the pastor and your pastoral staff they want to have a special time of prayer to, to pray over those that, that are, are considering going out. So here's what we want to do in just a moment. We're going to lead you into a time of invitation, a time of response. And what we'd like to do this morning is during that time, just would like for you, if you've already made the commitment at any level, whether as a prayer partner or going out, that you're going to come this afternoon, you're going to go and be a part of the gospel at every home, or your life group is looking for ways for how can we begin to share the gospel in the neighborhood where we're meeting and in the homes closest to us. Doesn't that make good sense? 
What, what a tragedy it'd be for a life group to drive into and out of the same neighborhood every week and never really try to saturate that local community with the good news of Jesus Christ. If you, if you committed to be a part of that, or right here this morning as you've been listening, you maybe hadn't even heard about the gospel in every home, you're still not sure 100% about what I'm talking about, but you say, hey, that's something I know I need to be a part of. We're going to invite you just to come and spread out and gather here at the front. We're going to conclude our service with a time of prayer. But here's the other thing. Some of the folks that might have needed to hear about Jesus could be right here with us in the room this morning. And if you've not yet surrendered your life to the Lord, we'd love to talk to you about what that can look like this morning. And so as some come and they gather saying, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to be a part of the gospel at every home, you might want to come this morning just in a quiet way, just find a place here towards the front. And if you'll linger around a moment or two, the pastoral staff, myself, we'd love to have a conversation with you about what it can look like to turn in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ and come to know him in the way that many of us do this morning. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand as Mark will come in just a moment. If you're going to be a part of the gospel in every home, now's your time. Would you go ahead and start making your way here to the front? We're just going to gather right here across the front altar area. Don't delay. You come right on. This is exciting already. If you're going to come this afternoon, you're going to be one of the prayer ways. As you come, go ahead and come all the way down, please, and spread out so we can make sure we have room. God talked to your heart this morning. You know you need to be a part of this. We're just going to encourage you to come. Obviously, you can be a part of this prayer time right where you are, but we think this is a step forward in obedience. If you're here this morning, you're not sure where you are in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, but you, you'd like to have that spiritual conversation, I'm going to encourage you to also just kind of come and find your place and as others go back to their seat in a moment if you'll linger just a second pastor sean or i we'd love to have a conversation with you church this i'm so excited let me pray for us father we come to the end of this time we want to we want to be faithful to immediately give you praise and thanks there, there are members of this church that have been praying for i don't know how long lord but you do praying for months maybe years that God would call out more laborers, laborers into the harvest field. And Father, we see here gathered across the front an answer to that prayer. We rejoice in it. I rejoice in, in, in the testimony that each one of these faces are. They're here because, Lord, at some point in their life, you sought them out and you drew them to a saving knowledge of yourself and helped them, helped me, help us to come to know you in, the, in this relationship that we have through faith in Jesus. We thank you for it. Father, we pray that you would continue to call out more laborers. Father, we thank you for the, the, the large-scale cooperation we have for the gospel here. Lord, many are going to go out this afternoon, and they're going to go to homes where they may not know folks. Their life group is going to become more intentional maybe than ever before in reaching out to the street, the neighborhood where they are. There are church members right here today that are making a commitment in their heart, their soul before you to be more intentional with your help, Father, to have gospel conversations in their workplace and in the places where they play. Father, wherever we go, we, we just recognize there are lost people all around us. Father, I pray that you'd help Hebron Baptist Church as they become very intentional to, to look at the homes that you have sovereignly put in closest proximity to this church building. God, we're not accountable, we're not responsible for how they respond, but in the, this moment today, we're saying we recognize we are responsible before you with what we do with the gospel. Father, may we be found faithful to share it. As we go and, and to these homes, Lord, we know there's some hurting people there. We pray your Holy Spirit would precede every conversation today. 
that Father we might find some of your children that just need to be encouraged that need to be exhorted that, that need some time to be prayed for we pray Father there will be opportunities to just sow some gospel seed but we pray that you would set up divine appointments where we might find people Lord that are ready that need to hear the gospel that we might see people make a first step of faith even right here right now today Lord Father for that matter there might be a person in the room that has heard the gospel before, but today they've heard your voice. They, they've felt your spirit speaking. Lord, I pray that as you compassionately draw them, you might give them faith to step out, step forward, to linger around after the service and just grab a pastor, a friend, someone, and say, I'd like to know how I can give my life to Jesus. We are so thankful that you continue to seek and to save the lost. And God, we just want to be a part of it whatever that might look like. We pray that you'd speak to our heart and you'd give us obedience to trust you, to step out, join you in what you're doing for the glory of your name in which we pray.